Hey there, this is Daryl. Before we get going with the USA Jamaica preview, I want to talk to you very briefly about the Total Soccer Show Reddit community. So the Total Soccer Show Reddit was set up independently by some Total Soccer Show listeners, and it's been slowly but surely growing. I think it has like eight or 900 members right now, all Total Soccer Show listeners. We would love it to get even more active and be like, you know, a thriving hub of discussion. So I want to encourage anyone uh, who is interested to go and get involved with the Total Soccer Show Reddit community, make some posts, get involved in some conversations. And what we'll do here is, both on Twitter and here on the show, we'll highlight some of the most engaging conversations and make sure people are aware of them and we'll direct more people that way. If you want to go take a look, it is totalsoccershow.reddit.com. The link will be in the show notes. I got involved recently, put up a recent post, just asking what other podcasts do people listen to Got loads of really interesting answers. Take a look at that if you want to see a, a list of all the other good soccer pods that TSS listeners are listening to. Once again, the URL is totalsoccershow.reddit.com. The link will be in the show notes for you to click. Thank you for taking the time to listen to my preamble. Now here's the USA Jamaica preview that was promised in the episode title. And welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Daryl Grove and I'm joined by a man who's got Gold Cup semi-final fever. His name is Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Hello. I don't know what the symptoms are. I, I turn gold and I get slightly depressed about America's intentions. Those are the exact symptoms. Okay, cool. Yeah, and you th- you have all of them. Okay, that checks out. <laughs> and also your busy Wednesday night. Yes, this is true. <laughs> so yeah, it is Wednesday night, what, 9.30 Eastern, we're pretty mm-hmm. sure, um, from Nashville at Nissan Stadium, USA versus Jamaica in the Gold Cup semi-final. Big picture, for me, mm-hmm. let's see if you agree, this is the first good team we're going to face. Like, Chris yeah. I were better than expected. Mm-hmm. Panama were B team. Trinidad were bad. Trinidad. Mm. Um, and Guiana were not Trinidad. good. Trinidad. It, it was not good, right? Bravo. They're out. Bravo. Jamaica, mm-hmm. I think, are a pretty fine team. I mean, yes, in terms of what they've already done in the competition, mm-hmm. but then factoring in the beating that they gave the United States yep. earlier in June. Yep. Uh, li- and, yeah. li- literal and scoreline. Yes, I would say <laughs> they're definitely the strongest team the US has faced so far. So... Is it fair to say then that this? I feel like I'm doing a prosecutorial thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is it fair to say, Senator, yeah, yeah, that this ha- is? Well, you're not rubbing your suspenders, but otherwise, yes. I'll do it yes. my t-shirt. I'm is no it... big city lawyer. <laughs> I'm no big city football pundit. I'm not Matt Doyle. Um, <laughs> is, is it fair to say that this semi-final against Jamaica is the biggest test of the Greg Berhalter U.S. Men's National Team so far? Yes. It yeah. Is, 100%. Right? I mean, I'm it's pretty it's, confident in that. It's the best team we've faced in an official competition. Yes, yeah, so everything yep. else has either been friendlies or, as we've already established, teams that aren't as good as Jamaica yep. uh, and not in as competitive of environments. So yes, I think this is the biggest game so far, especially when you look at sort of the reaction to Berhalter's U.S. national team of late, yeah. especially with the result against Curacao uh, factored in there. The one we won 1-0? Yes, exactly. Uh, I think this is one, though, that people will be looking to as, does the system... Like hold up at all against Jamaica? Does yeah. it crumble? Does, does it hold up against changed? a decent team? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then the other thing is, there's the Berhalter argument of we can lose the friendlies as long as we learn stuff from them, yeah. right? So if you we lost that friendly to Jamaica, mm-hmm. we did not look good. Mm-hmm. We got pushed around. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of second string players, yep. but we're supposed to be learning things. 
now's the real test, right? Bellhouse had a whole like two thirds of a tournament to like get the team all on the same page. The system should be firing. This is the test. It is. So with that in mind, maybe we should talk it, right? about the players that we will be uh, tested against. Yeah, let's talk about Jamaica. So I had a good long look at Jamaica versus Panama, and I think I know a few things about Jamaica. What you got? All right, so I'm going to share them with you and with listeners. How about that? All right. Um, so Jamaica plays either a 4-2-3-1 mm-hmm. or a 4-3-3, but the really, really similar thing is that when Jamaica have the ball at the back, one of the central midfielders, and it's been Michael Hector, um, drops back between the two centre-backs, um, the centre-backs spread wide and the full-backs go high. Right. And that's important because the full-backs are Alves Powell. I made him Brazilian. Yeah, you did. Alves Powell. It's not <laughs> Danny Alves. If it was Alves, we'd be in trouble, right? Yeah. <laughs> Alves Powell, who most MLS fans will be familiar yep. with, right? Right back for Portland, loves to get forward. Um, and Kamar Lawrence, left back for New York Red Bulls, who I just think of as sharp, like quick thinking, mm-hmm. quick on the ball, Quick to cover ground. I think the fastest player on the Red Bulls as well. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so really, really dangerous player. Yep. And then what they do is then next to them you've got um, uh, uh, Leon Bailey, who plays for Bayer Leverkusen, yep. uh, left winger, and Orgill on the right. They're the wingers, and they'll either gather around the fullbacks or come inside, and then Jamaica will send balls out wide because that's where their danger men are, either on the floor or in the air. They will get the ball out wide and attack you from there. That's what Jamaica likes to do. Right. So then the question becomes, how does the United States deal with that? But before we get into how the United States deals with that, we should probably talk about some other aspects of Jamaica's game. Yeah. Because I would say, like as an example, going all the way back between the posts, uh, it's easy to forget that they have Andre Blake back oh, there, yes, yes, who yes. is quite good and sure has proven is. himself uh, in Major League Soccer to be quite good and against the United States. Yep. Especially has proven himself to be quite good. So like I, I uh, think that it's one of those spots where like in the past you look at a Jamaica team and you think, like, oh, they've got this guy and this guy, but that's about it. And it's just, it, I guess I use that as an example of how kind of consistently good this team is across all spots. Yep. I think that's a good example. Um, I also want to talk about that midfield. Sure. So if you remember when we played them in the friendly, we talked about how Jamaica kind of dominated mm-hmm. the game was they dominated our attacking midfielders, yeah. right? Um, it was Lambert and Watson were the two defensive midfielders and they just knocked over Mihailovic, knocked over Roldan anytime they took more than one touch. Hector's six foot four by the way. Yikes. Um, and Hector, worth noting just in terms of quality, like mm-hmm. you mentioned, he's on the books at Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Chelsea bought him about three or four years ago. They've since loaned him out to Eintracht Frankfurt, Hull City, Sheffield Wednesday. But this means he's a pretty high-quality player to still be on the Chelsea books. That's a, is, is that going down? Where are we on Hull City versus Sheffield? In terms I think of... similar. Okay. Yeah, All right. similar. I mean, right. but championship, right? And mm-hmm. he's played in the Bundesliga, and he is officially... Um, a Chelsea, a Chelsea player. I mean, <laughs> that makes him as good as Matt yeah. Miazga, say, if we're just talking about who you play for and where you get loaned to. Yeah, okay. Yeah? Okay. Right. Um, but I, I think that's the real chance here defensively. Like, for the, when the US has the... We mm-hmm. talked about what Jamaica do attacking, right? But when the US has the ball, the challenge is going to be, do we let those two defensive midfielders dominate us by... Because some of them, like... Michael Hector's also a centre-back. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, like, a really, really defensive player. That's how they go about it. Do we let him dominate Christian Pulisic? And do we let, say, Javon Watson dominate Weston McKenney like we let happen to Mihailovic and Roldan? Well, I don't... I- like, not to be difficult, I don't know what that means, though. Like, what do you mean, do we let them dominate them? Well, for example, like, I would say Mihailovic let it happen by taking too many touches and mm-hmm. just letting them come and tackle him, right? I, I would say not letting them do it is Christian Pulisic's got to be, when he receives the ball, yeah. if his back's to goal and, say, Michael Hector's coming up behind him or is pressed up against him, 
he's got to be quick, right? He's got to like do a, like lay that ball off, do a quick one too, and find a way around Michael Hector. So you right? want to see quick passing. It's not like you want to see like midfielders come in and smash those midfielders. Yeah. You want to see basically the United States not let the physicality impact yes. the players. And I think the way you do that is to not slow it down and get into yeah. physical battles. You right. do it with speed of play so that you can sort of get away from them quickly and just get the other side, right? <laughs> So, so run away, but in like a kind of way. run away, but move the ball around as yeah. you do it. All right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> but that will be the key thing, right? Because yeah. they'll probably man mark Pulisic and McKenney mm-hmm. um, and follow them around, and that's a huge part of the US's game plan. Is either you can use that to drag them out of position, or you can use that to be always marked and be taken out of the game. I mean, this is to, to the to the first part about taking them out of position. That is like what Greg Berhalter has theoretically been building towards what this team has been building towards that if you have two kind of holding midfielders who are going to be man marking your two like eight slash tens yep then if if your two eight slash tens move a lot and pull those players out who automatically fills those or is there just a space that then somebody drops into or somebody else maybe runs into yep. but it's not necessarily a pre-planned thing so we'll see if the positional play works yep. and maybe Pulisic can drag his midfielder out and like Ariola can get in behind or whoever is playing up front can get in behind or, or we need all those kinds of things to happen we right? do mm-hmm. um Jamaica, there is one big thing in our favour yep. here. Their centre-back, Damian Lowe, son of Richmond Kickers legend and Andy Lowe. Legend is the right word. 15 goals in 16 games. That'll do it. Um, Damian Lowe, um, who plays in the USL champion. No, no, he, he's gone abroad to Norway. He plays for Start. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like a really big physical defender who wins a lot of stuff. He's suspended. He is. Two yellows. That's kind of big for them because he's always their first choice centre-back. So Jamaica have a huge question. Do they move Michael Hector out of central midfield where he is so sort of dominant and make him the low replacement at centre-back and then have a slightly weaker defensive midfield? Or do they just draft in their second or third choice centre-back? Yeah, and I think U.S. fans should be optimistic if we see Hector dropped in. I think that would be a mistake from Jamaica, in my opinion. Because you think he's more dangerous in midfield. Yeah, Yeah. because I think he's already proven that he can be a a problem to the United States and has been a consistent performer in midfield for Jamaica in this tournament. And a pretty smooth passer as well, not like a clumsy defender playing midfield passer. He looks, despite being six foot four, Mm -hmm. he looks perfectly comfortable in midfield. Yes. Kind of like the Jamaican Matic, maybe. All right. Yeah. (laughs) I like that. Um, So then it comes down to who else might be in there. We think maybe Lambert, who was one of the yeah. uh, physical midfielders against yep. the United States in the friendly. Who also is a centre-back slash central mm-hmm. midfielder. So my guess is either Lambert plays centre-back yep. or Lambert replaces Hector in midfield and Hector plays centre-back. But either way, they don't get to have their first choice uh, defence in midfield. They don't. They will have Sean Francis, who started, I believe, every game of the he's the other so centre-back, And he's the one in USL Championship with, yes. I believe, Louisville City. Ah, good research, good research. Thanks, and then the other midfielder is very likely to be, in my opinion, Javon Watson, mm-hmm. who MLS fans will be familiar with. I think he's played for Dallas. He's played for Houston. He's also now now in the championship with Oklahoma City Energy. There we go. Yeah. Uh, what about up so top? He'll, he'll be excited just to see a bigger city. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> so uh, you mentioned... I have friends from Oklahoma City, by the way, so th- you, th- I speak from knowledge. You can make all the jokes you want, buddy. <laughs> uh, we mentioned Bailey Norgill briefly. What about uh, Shamar Nicholson? You've watched more of Jamaica than I have. Yeah. What do you make of him? What should the United States expect there? Um, he looks like a happy runner. Okay. Right? He will like charge all over the place yeah. and maybe cause you problems uh, defensively. A yeah. happy runner. He also, what I see, because Jamaica like to play wide, what Nicholson will do 
is he'll show for the ball. And if the ball comes into his feet, he's very good from what I saw. Only one game, right? One game. He's very good at then laying the ball wide, say to Orgill or, um, or to Bailey, mm-hmm. and then charging into the box, like ready for the next phase, which is maybe a cross. I mean, that's classic centre forward play, right? Receive the ball, play it wide, get in the box. That's like a basic plan for a centre forward when you trust your wingers. Yes. Yeah. All right, so, so then he, but he won't necessarily be like running into uh, like the spaces out wide to try to create overloads. Would you, would you expect him to stay more I, central? I honestly, don't know okay. I, can't, I can't speak to that no. i think that is one possible opportunity but then honestly then who fills this space in the box right yeah true yeah maybe one of their <laughs> many six foot four defenders maybe 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 i also think it's worth spotlighting leon bailey uh-huh. um again by a Leverkusen, yep. a dangerous, but he's not just a Bundesliga player who's on the bench. He's one of Leverkusen's dangerous. Yeah, he, he's right? not. He's not. He is on the books at Bayer Leverkusen, but he's not just on the books at Bayer. Yeah, Leverkusen. he's on the field at yeah. Bayer Leverkusen and doing damage. So yeah. left-footed winger, very capable of going at you, taking you on. I think this is the biggest challenge Nikolim is going to face. Ooh, that makes sense, right? So this going to be Nikolim. We think has stood up really well defensively and has made good decisions about when to get forward and when to come back. Suddenly now he has what Kamal Lawrence and Leon Bailey to deal yeah. with this is like this is Nick Lima going up against Lucy Bronze and Nikita Paris yeah there we go <laughs> I mean yeah because that left side of Jamaica is far and away the best left side we faced against any team in the Gold Cup so far yeah, yeah Bailey and Lawrence it, it's a lot of uh, speed obviously as we've already talked about but yep. then yeah the crossing ability of Lawrence the shooting ability of Lawrence and the overall ability of Leon Bailey uh-huh. I'm a little bit nervous I'm a little, little bit nervous, bit nervous. I'm also impressed with Orgel. I'd never heard of him before mm-hmm. he's the number six who plays right wing he works really hard defensively so he will and I think that's important because we're probably going to have Pulisic and Areola yeah. and we often focus on trying to get the ball to Pulisic right so um, Orgel I think will help out Powell defensively and I think he'll actually make it quite hard for us to exploit any space because he's so willing to get back and do the hard work to defend and then he's dangerous when he goes forward as well Berhalter specifically mentioned him when he said we know they have quality players like Bailey and Orgel so mm-hmm. they're really they're really aware the US is really aware of Orgel alright yeah. All right, so whose name I might be mispronouncing well, I mean O-R-G-I-L-L yeah, yeah why not okay. I think You've, you've about got it. Okay. And if you didn't, then there's no way you could have not known that was coming. Um, so anything else you wanted to talk about with Jamaica? Uh, yeah, the one fun, the mm-hmm. one sort of uh, maybe wild card yep. is uh, wild Darren, card. Darren Maddox. Yeah. People will be familiar with Darren Maddox. Um, speaking of pace, he's that player that has that weird thing where he slows down and then it's a sudden burst and away he goes. I could see some players getting caught out by that. Like Michael Bradley, for example, might get caught out by mm-hmm. that. Some of our defenders might get caught out by that. He didn't start in the quarterfinal against Panama. Came off the bench immediately and I mean immediately won a penalty like big direct ball into the area and he got fouled just inside the area then he won the argument with Nicholson about who takes the penalty Mm -hmm. and then he dispatched the penalty with confidence so there's a chance that that 15 minute like game winning cameo might have earned Maddox a start, maybe either alongside Nicholson or maybe just underneath him. I'm going to guess that it's been his role in this tournament to get like 15 to 20 minutes. Actually, that has been his role. I'm not guessing that. Yeah. Uh, but that has been his consistent role. And I think, therefore, you bring him in maybe if you're Jamaica, if it's like nil-nil or maybe if you're trailing or maybe if you're trying to see how to win. Either way, I think you bring him in in the final few minutes yeah. to go at a U.S. back line and kind of oh, keep yes. them guessing, it's keep stretched. them thinking. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Um, okay, the, one, other, one other name to mention Basically, is... I think I just said that he's definitely coming in no matter what. <laughs> One of the names to mention, I don't know not a lot about him, mm-hmm. Junior Flemings plays for Phoenix Rising. Um, he is in the 4-2-3-1. He is often the attacking midfielder. Okay. Uh, like He's the one un- playing underneath mm-hmm. Nicholson. That's a possibility. That was one of my or, question mark spots. Yeah. Or they could go 4-3-3 yeah. and have an extra defensive midfielder and, and do it that way. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they go 4-3-3 against the United States yeah. and not have a sort of 
not luxury, but you know, an attacking player in their midfield. Yeah, because yeah. that way they can find they can find attacks elsewhere, but they can solidify the midfield and maybe with an extra body knock some people yep. around again and still get those fullbacks forward because that's what they're gonna do. All right, um, all right. So before we talk about how the US either responds to some of these threats or exploits some of these opportunities, because um, every crisis is also an opportunity. <laughs> this is true. Um, today's show is sponsored by. Dollar Shave Club. Um, can't stress enough the quality of the Dollar Shave Club products. And they spent years developing, crafting, refining everything. And we have been using those products in our separate showers, haven't we, Taylor? We have. We, we, we abandoned the joint shower. Yeah. You didn't want to use that anymore. Uh, you felt like it was weird that we were both showering at the same time. Uh-huh. Um, which I should add, I say that in jest. We have had opportunity to do that when on tour. We have never done that. <laughs> uh, so, so, you know, I, I would like a ghost moment where, like, I shave you from behind. But no, I guess maybe that's not going to happen. It's not efficient what we're doing with these separate showers. <laughs> it's not. Um, and it's slightly not efficient to use all of the products, like to, to do like the full shaving process because yeah. they have so many op- options. <laughs> But I went for it, Daryl. I went for it the other day, and I did like <laughs> I did like the the, the prep scrub. Yep. I did like like the post shave dew. I, I I use their like their sh- the post shave dew. It's it's just is like, it collected from grass. Yeah, it is. It is, and then it has the <laughs> Dollar natural. Dollar Shave go out every morning and collect the dew yeah. and bottle it for you. It's it's uh it's made by elves. Yes, and then they, <laughs> they find it tiny little elves and gnomes in the yard, and then they make it that way. No, they Amazing. do not. Instead, they use I don't know what they use, but I know that it, it was like moisturizing and lovely. And I tend to get like uh, razor burn along my neck. Yeah, and it was. Certainly far – like it was not there because I don't think I'm that good of a shaver, but uh, it was far <laughs> less – What's thought about who's good at shaving and who isn't? I, I, I got like uh, hammer hands, man. I think I like shaved too hard. Uh, yes. So, But like there was far less irritation than is usual because their post-shave products were so useful. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, Mr. Hammerhands, um, as amazing <laughs> as the, the shave does. I think sh- that's about tattoos, but I'm using it for shaving. So as amazing as all the shaving stuff is, Dollar Shave Club, mm-hmm. despite the name, is way more than just razors. Mm-hmm. They have you covered head to toe. They have everything you need to shower, also, shave. Uh, and I was going to say, and elves slash uh, gnome <laughs> products, yeah, yeah. I think, as well. Those elves are well paid. That's true. It's above that's minimum true. wage. Um, <laughs> they have everything you need to shower, <laughs> shave, style your hair, brush yeah. your teeth, and yes, even wipe your butt. What? They have the one wipe challenge. They do. Yeah. They do, which 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 are uh, sometimes nice and useful. And I'll yeah. say that, and I'll leave it at that. Soothing. Yes. The, word <laughs> the other great thing about Dollar Shave Club is they can keep you automatically stocked up, stocked up on the products you use. You get what you want whenever you need it, whether that's once a month or a few times a year. You choose. There we are. And right now, you can put the quality of Dollar Shave Club's products to the test. Their ultimate starter sets have basically everything you need for an amazing shower, close shave, or clean teeth. Uh, the best part it's is pronounced teeth. Teeths? All right, teethers. Uh, the best part is you can try each one for just $5 right now and get all those treasures out of your teethers. <laughs> um, after that, the restock box ships regular size products at regular prices. Mm-hmm. Get your starter set, your ultimate starter set. Do it. For just $5 at dollarshaveclub.com slash TSS. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash TSS, which is pronounced t- well done. Thank you very much to Dollar Shave Club for sponsoring today's episode. We've talked about Jamaica, what Jamaica are going to do. Let's talk yeah. about the United States and what we would like the United States to do against Jamaica. All right, let's start with lineup. Sure. Um, we can assume that barring Zardes versus Altador, mm-hmm. it's going to be the same lineup. Is yes. that right? I would we're, assume so. We're going to have Longo and Zimmerman because they yep. seem like the first choice centre-back pairing. We're going to have Lima and Tim Ream. Mm-hmm. We have Stefan in goal. We're going to have Bradley as the six. We're going to have McKenny and Pulisic as the attacking mids. Ariola to the left. Boyd to the right, and then. And then. Zardes or yeah. Jesse Altador. Yes. 
I uh, I think I said this in our Curacao review show, and I'm going to stick with it. I am inclined to think it would be Giassi Zardes starting against Jamaica. Why, sir? Because uh, I think, number one, it still didn't look to me like Josie Alcador was 100% ready to go. If he were, I think he would have against yeah. Curacao. So a couple days of rest, I don't know if that puts uh-huh. him into, like, maybe if he was only at 90% and Burhalter didn't want to risk it and now he's 100%. Yeah. But if he was 80% and now he's 90%, then he's still not 100%. Did you see, the, um, did you see the club and country uh, video uh-uh. slash discussion? You know, the MLS do the club and country mm-hmm. thing it was Charlie Davies Bobby Walshaw uh, Matt Doyle and, and Andrew Wiebe so they highlighted the the Jesse Zardes goal from the Nick Lima header mm-hmm. do you remember that when like it's the yeah, chipped across the Lima heads it down um, and Zardes makes this nice run I remember Doyle frantically trying to find the minute that that happened yes yeah <laughs> well so against um, when Altador played against Panama uh-huh. there was a really similar sequence but it was Reggie Cannon because we, you know, we played yeah. the second 11 I can't remember who it might be Roald Dan chips it out Reggie Cannon heads it down and essentially Altador is late making that run mm. and that's why he doesn't get there yep. it just the header goes into defenders and I think they use that as an example of not that Altador doesn't know what he's doing Charlie Davis actually was there and he mm. obviously he's been Josie's strike partner yeah. in the, the glory days of 2009 and, and he said that looks to me because he thinks Josie recognises that and makes that run usually that looks to me like he's not match sharp yep. and that's why he didn't quite make that run so I think there's an argument that Altador at least in that Panama game which wasn't that long ago mm. is not match sharp I would agree. Uh, and that is still troubling, though, because mm-hmm. uh, if you go back to that Curacao review show, I talked a little bit about how I didn't love Jesse Zardes' first touch, which is not breaking yeah. new ground. Uh, but this was the first time that I felt like I saw players not pass him the ball because yeah. there was a threat of uh, a turnover or conceding possession or a counterattack. Or you don't get a great ball back. Or right? you don't get a great yeah. ball back. But I guess my concern then would be that against Jamaica, who we've already established, can be physical and are very fast. So that yeah. if, like, if you're Jesse Zardes... It's going to be like incumbent upon you to have that first touch, to have that good control. Yep. If you don't, then Jamaica are more than capable of not just winning that ball uh, off of you or knocking you off the ball, but then, as we've talked about, have the technical ability to then combine through the middle, yeah. play, play the counterattack out wide, they'll and there are lots of very, problems. They'll counter very quickly. Yeah. If there's any loose touch that mm-hmm. doesn't go back somewhere, yeah, they counter very, very quickly. I've come to think of um, – actually, the Scuffed podcast kind of convinced me of this, their most recent episode. Jesse Zardes does make all the right runs. Mm-hmm. But then there's the heavy touch at the end of it, right? Yeah. So it's almost like he's doing he's, – he's a great example of what Behalter wants a striker to do in terms of movement in the box and outside of the box. But then the layoffs are never as good as, say, Josie Altador's would be or another striker who might play for Werder Bremen's might one day be. So I guess our hope is that we have uh... – <laughs> I see what you did there. Uh, our hope is then that maybe Josie Altador is 100% fit. I knew, that's what I assumed. He, switched, <laughs> he switches allegiances. Yeah. So would you, would you be hoping then that it's Josie Altador? I, I'm hoping it's Josie Altador if Josie Altador's fit, uh, right? Mm-hmm. So my, my, my one guess might be that Altador's not match sharp and Berhalter also thought if I play him against Curacao on Sunday night and then a few days later we have this big semifinal on Wednesday night, that might be too much of a workload yeah. for a not-quite-fit player to handle. So it seemed like maybe... I think the plan was maybe to give him 30 minutes against uh, Curacao, but then Berhalter said that the tactical setup of the game is all, like, unexpectedly all about transition in the yeah. second half, and it wasn't a good fit for Altador, so he ended mm. up playing zero minutes. Right? Yeah. So I would have expected him to get 20, 30 minutes against Curacao and then start against Jamaica as they sort of build him towards full fitness. I'll say this as well. If he doesn't start against Jamaica, uh-huh. he shouldn't have been on the roster. Nope. If you get to the semi-final and he's still not match fit, match sharp, that just seems like it wasn't what you might as well have brought someone else, right? The, Unless he then starts the final and scores a hat trick. Then maybe. I'll have to eat those words. Right? Well, we did, have, we did have a few people tweet us to say, like, you all are very much assuming that Josie Altador is the number one striker for the U.S. And maybe under Greg Berhalter, he isn't until he is and he has yeah. to prove it. I mean, that could be. 
Uh, so I just wanted to acknowledge that, but I'm with you that I think Josie Altador probably would have been starting this tournament from yeah. day one if he were 100% healthy. If everybody's healthy, Josie yeah. Altador is the starting American okay. striker. Again, Bell has called him the number one American striker, all right? right? So it's, this is all about... That seems like a pretty strong statement yeah. in favor of him being the number one striker. Right, so this is all about Altador's fitness. And yeah. honestly, we can sit here and say we think he'll start, or I can sit here and say I think he'll mm-hmm. start. I do if he's fit. We don't know how fit he is, right? We don't know how sharp he is. It's going to be uh, a decision that Bell makes based on fitness. Hey, this is Daryl Crutton in with a quick update because since we recorded the show, there's been the Greg Berhalter pre-match press conference. Josie Altador's fitness was addressed at the press conference. Here's what he said. So Jeffrey Carlisle, Jeff Carlisle, excuse me, his Twitter handle is Jeffrey Carlisle, um, sort of asked him about Josie's uh, fitness and Berhalter said, Josie's exactly where we need him to be, which is a frustrating answer. Um, the follow-up was, is he ready to play tomorrow? And uh, Berhalter answered, yeah, he's been ready to play. So I think you could read into this that he's been 100% fit the whole time and we're just not selecting him. I still think this this is what me and Taylor were talking about. Taylor and I, excuse me, were talking about earlier is that he's technically fit enough to play, but not quite match sharp. And again, we'll find out Wednesday night. Is he match sharp and is he ready to go? So then if it is uh, Jesse Zardes, let's go with that as like the likely scenario or possibly likely scenario. Then the question becomes, what does the United States do if you know that maybe there is that risk of counterattack? Do we see the United States, if they turn the ball over uh, in Jamaica's third, like defensive third, do we see them really go all in for the press? Or do we see them sit all the way back and kind of be a bit more defensive to deal with a counterattack? Because I think we agreed that the half and half approach against Curacao is probably not going to work this time around. Well, I mean, I want to answer your question, but I don't think that's the most important decision. I think the most important decision is what we do when Jamaica just have the ball and are building out of the back. Right? Do we go all out and press them and try and win the ball really high, which is a thing we've never, ever done under Greg Berhalter? Um, do we sit back in the 4-4-2 and let them come at us and we try and dispossess them and hit them on the counter? Like, don't give them room on the wings, for example. Um, or do we do what we did against Curacao, which is like this weird, like, we send two guys quite high, but they don't actually challenge for the ball and no one do- and then we leave this massive gap in midfield. I mean, I think the obvious answer is we do not do that. Because- I'd prefer not, but it worries me that that's what we've been doing. That might be what they think is the best plan, like to theoretically make it hard for them to pass out of the back. Mm-hmm. They're going to just lift it over us and hit the fullbacks. I mean, that, that's the issue, is because yeah. Curacao could still find uh, the man in the middle, Shermaine uh, Martina in that yeah. game. Uh, pro- maybe uh, it would be Hector in this game, who yep. knows? Uh, but From the famous Michael Jackson song. Of course. The man in the middle. <laughs> Let's not talk about him. I, th- I thought we canceled him. Fair enough. Um, but, I, uh, but if they can't find that ball in the middle against that kind of front two of the United States, Curse, I were then able to, as you said, still find those fullbacks with relative ease. Yeah. But the problem there was that because the team of the United States was set up to like, oh, they'll never be able to find the fullbacks, there was nobody near them. And so if you have Kamar Lawrence or Alvis Powell getting that ball and no one near them, that's 30 yards that they can get full speed down the field. Yep. And then the United States have to kind of scramble to deal with that. So I would very much hope we don't see that same approach. I think... With that in mind, if we're going to let Jamaica have the ball, then I, mean, I they think they will at some point, right? Honestly, if we hit a shot wide, if Tyler mm-hmm. Boyd hits one of his shots wide, yeah. Jamaica have a goal kick. Jamaica have the ball. Yeah. So there's like there's no argument that we just don't let them have the ball. And and again, this is this is the tough thing that we'll have to find out because the United the United States haven't necessarily practiced like sitting off when there is a goal kick. Yeah. So then you're kind of changing what you've been doing. I would say because it's a more logical way to deal with very very pacey counterattacking threats. But then you're asking your players to do something they haven't been doing versus maybe you go all in on a higher press system and hope that maybe it clicks this time. Yeah, I think it's too – so I would love to see us – my heart yep. says let's press them and win the ball because I just think that's thrilling soccer and I love it. My my head says 
we haven't practiced this. We won't be good enough at it to actually shut them down, yeah. like on a few days' notice, right? Mm-hmm. So my more conservative approach would be four four two. Sit back around the halfway line. Maybe just have Pulisic and Zardes slash Altidore at the halfway line in our four four two. Um, and then at least you make sure that if they're hitting balls to say Lawrence and Bailey on the left side or uh, Powell and Orgo on the right side, at least we'll have we'll have squeezed the space a little bit and there won't be like, room for them to play into, right? There All won't right. be like room for Lawrence to run mm-hmm. in behind because we'll be we'll be back there and we'll have numbers. All right. Yeah. Everything you so just, I think I'd do that. Everything you said makes sense and I think normally I would agree. I'm going to 100% disagree Go with for you it. this time because to me that is then completely changing what the United States has been doing. And if this whole idea is like we're we're kind of adjusting here and there, we're tinkering here and there, but we're building towards a consistent style of play, to then sit back, you can't then have everybody sitting back behind the ball or like every, everybody kind of sitting back deeper, but then also play this high intensity passing and moving style. It doesn't really work that way. Do you think? I yeah. think it's possible to sit back in the four four two. I'm not talking about like sitting like all cowed on the edge yeah. of an area. Like I'm saying behind the halfway line, mm-hmm. so we don't even go and pressure their centre backs until they get that high up the field, and then the space is squeezed a little yeah. bit because yeah. But once you win the ball back, you can still then, assuming that you have control of the ball, then like maintain possession. Then we can spread the wingers wide. Then so it's all about like essentially um, inflating and deflating between that like four four two, and then we spread wide when we when we get the ball right. Yes, but like it took you a while to even explain that, and yeah. it takes it longer for them to play that way. So like right. your, your idea of like well then we'll like get the ball, then we'll spread wide, then we'll keep possession, then we'll get everybody into the right spots, then we'll get like like right there necessarily that means you're doing it slowly I mean somebody has to have the ball and slowly possessing and I think it's really hard for the United States to go from kind of like wait everybody get and then play fast like that doesn't seem like a thing that they know how to do necessarily so I feel like if you sit back a little bit more yeah it's going to be a slower game so you're arguing for the full press like yeah. go, go for it try to win the I ball mean, high I mean it's, I'd love to watch it I'm not going to argue with you because I, I would enjoy it because I don't I don't – again, I think your style works. I think it's what the United States has done historically, and I think it's how you get a 1-0 win against Jamaica in the Gold Cup or a 2-0 win maybe Yeah. Um, if they're, like, stepping too high at the very end of the game. But it feels like it's going against what we've seen the United States trying to do. Maybe okay. I'm wrong, but that is my feeling, and I would rather see the United States, I guess, go for it and win, hopefully, but, like, win by going for it than win by doing what has worked historically. That I, sounds incredibly strange to say. <laughs> I'm basically saying this thing that worked in the past that will probably work again, don't do that. Do something else that might not work <laughs> and hasn't worked before. So uh, but I guess what we're both arguing for is not the weird in-between-y thing we're doing. Yeah, none of that, Chris, no. uh, Where mm-hmm. we're sort of – we're up high, but we're not pressuring the ball. We're just theoretically in the way and then mm-hmm. even not that good at being in the way. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's not really what I want to see, especially because Jamaica, as we've already established, can score goals. Yeah. So uh, maybe don't give them the opportunity to do that. And so maybe one way is like maybe Ariola yep. just marks the fullback, marks Powell and stays with him and Boyd on the other side just marks Lawrence and sticks with him and mm-hmm. we cut it out that way. Yep. And then if those guys get forward... Go with them, right? So it doesn't have to be this four-two-four thing where the fullback's behind you. Maybe don't let that happen. Stick with the fullback and just like man mark him, so they don't have those outlets. Right. That actually, I think that might be the the one thing we could agree on, right? I think so. Yeah. The one thing that's the well, only thing we can in agree the on? whole world. Oh boy, yeah. that's troubling. Yeah, even the shower debate is still <laughs> ongoing. Um, how about opportunities? I would argue that if Lawrence <laughs> and Paul are so determined to get forward, yeah. then the space for mm. Uh, Ariola and Pulisic to exploit uh, down that Pulse side and the space for 
Boyd and Lima yep. to exploit uh, down the right side behind Kamar Lawrence mm-hmm. once he's gone forward. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And I think that's where, again, the patterns of play, I think that that's going to be a huge part of this game because you've got potentially opportunities out wide, especially if Jamaica commit those numbers forward. But then if we, uh, one of my questions was, how do we handle Jamaica's physicality? And I think your answer was correct. It's move quickly and like stay moving. Yeah. Um, and I think if you've got numbers out wide that can then come central and the people who are central can spread wide and then somebody can drop in and somebody can take that space like suddenly you're avoiding a lot of those tackles or if you're not then you're definitely drawing fouls and yellow cards because those fouls are happening to stop attacking yep. plays from occurring all right i feel like we're coming towards the end of this preview but before we do mm-hmm. i want to ask like are there any weird wrinkles that we might see any like uh bear halter curveballs that we because we've come to expect this like mm-hmm. basic the the, the three two two three attacking shape four four two defensive shape weirdly four three three on paper because it's like this weird in between mm-hmm. way to represent it graphically with the players we've been expecting to uh, be the first choice, is there any chance he throws us a curveball? I mean, there's always a chance with Berhalter, but yeah. like, so like the only thing I don't even think he'll do this, but the one that we haven't seen a lot of lately is Nick Lima going central and being another central midfielder. Yeah, and that would then I guess allow say Weston McKinney to push on and Weston McKinney to combine with Christian Pulisic and mm-hmm. keep players wide or kind of have some rotation there. Yeah, and before you finish your thought, yep. the re- the reason we haven't done that is Weston McKinney has not gone that far forward. Yep. He's been the alongside Michael Bradley midfielder, mm-hmm. and then Lima going forward means that's the overload on the right side, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So I mean, like, so again. It's not that much of a change because it's still like it's still the same numbers basically in the same spots. It's just different personnel taking those roles. Yeah, but maybe that's something we see just as a variation to throw Jamaica off. If but we're out battled in. I don't know if I would love that though because then that means now there's a very open right hand side for uh, a player like Kamar Lawrence yeah. to get down very quickly. Yeah, that makes sense. There's also a danger when Lima just yep. goes forward and overlaps mm-hmm. and goes wide right. Right, there is space for then Kamar Lawrence and Leon Bailey to come the other way. I say we risk it and. Go for it. Anyway. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. <laughs> One player I'll have my eye on, Weston McKenney. Yeah. Because we lost those midfield battles so mm-hmm. much, it was without Weston McKenney. And he is, event- like, I know he's only young still, right? But he's a guy that I think we need to start looking to to be the one that essentially wins midfield battles and wins psychological battles. Do you remember that? I can't remember which game it was, the one where he came over and got on someone's face because that Turn player. Ahead. Yes, who had been fouled? Zardes had been fouled, mm-hmm. maybe. And uh, he came, McKinney came charging over, got in the guy's face. And you could see he was just up for it afterwards. And it spread throughout the team. And there was a bit more fight in the team. I would like to see that from Weston McKinney in this game to be the, not the captain, not the leader, but the the leader of our aggression. I like that. The leader <laughs> of our aggression. Yeah. Can that be his title? Maybe. Aggression King. That sounds like a Khaleesi-esque <laughs> title. Leader of our aggression. Midfielder number eight. Yeah. Shelka forever. Yeah. Weston McKinney. First of his name. <laughs> I um, oh, I want to just give a quick correction. Mm. On a recent show, I think I said that Pulisic and McKenney were such tight friends because they essentially live in the same city. Oh, boy. And I think I said that Dortmund, Borussia Dortmund and Schalke were more or less were in the same city. They're not, right? Schalke is separate. I think it's in Gelsenkirchen and Dortmund is obviously in Dortmund. They're only 25 kilometers apart, so... Given the size of most cities, that's you, you're close enough that you can easily hang out, right? Mm, I don't know if that's close enough. I think I think we need the shame bell. I think we need to go find twenty five k is less than twenty five miles, right? I think so. Yeah. Yes, yes. So, twenty five k. So is, yeah. Yes. So they're not in the same city, but hey, they are pretty close. Hey Daryl, it's fewer than twenty five miles. <laughs> and I'm out. And I'm out. <laughs> Wheeling away from the microphone. Celebrating victoriously. And I'm back. <laughs> we should definitely wrap this up. Probably. <laughs> so once again, the game is Wednesday night, 9.30. Oh, I won't be here for you the won't. review show. Um, because July 4th is a Thursday. Normally I do my chemotherapy on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. They've moved it up a day 
I'm going to be doing it um, on Wednesday. But Taylor will did you, have. Did you I not guess, know that chemotherapy on July 4th counts double? I, I did yeah, not know that. Uh-huh. I should mention it's that. It's a red, white, and blue uh, chemotherapy. Yeah. So I would overdose? That's not, that sounds like a terrible plan. This is why you're not a doctor. Stick to soccer podcasting. You're good at that. I'm not a doctor. Yeah. You sure? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You, I thought you, I was. You're a doctor of tactics. <laughs> the doctor of pressing. <laughs> so I won't be here on Wednesday, probably Thursday, or maybe Friday. Um, but Taylor will have guests who are. Mm smarter than me, and maybe less annoyingly optimistic. So <laughs> some of our listeners might enjoy that even more. Ready to wrap it up? I think so. All right, Taylor Rockwell, thank uh, you. No comment on the other things that you've <laughs> just said. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Right back at you, buddy. We're off to watch USA versus England in the Women's World Cup semi-final. But by the time you hear this, you'll already know the result, and we should already have a review show out. So please check the Total Sock Show feed for the US v. England review show. 